Now tell me about your struggle and I can tell you about mine. Welcome friends, this is the official version of the Underground Writing Podcast for the week of July 30th, 2018. I'm Matt Mallion, Director of Underground Writing. And I'm Alvin Shim, Producer for the Underground Writing Podcast. On our bi-weekly podcast, we read and discuss a piece of writing by an underground writing student and briefly update listeners about what's happening in the program as a whole. Because we're a creative writing program serving at-risk populations, we do not mention students by name. We hope you enjoy this edition of the podcast. Oh, Father, did you live your dreams? You tried to follow your heart in all you did. You give up everything. Today we'll be reading a poem called The Book Was Fat and Big. This comes from our juvenile detention site. And it's a riff on an earlier poem that we'll discuss in a little bit. The book was fat and big. The book was fat and big. It was all my life in it. I had my life in my hands. It was my only time to change it. I closed my eyes for a moment to think what I wanted to do. I opened my eyes back up and the book was on fire. I saw the black smoke in the sky and the book was gone. This poem is a, what we, what would I call uh, a poem that riffs on another poem or a poem that afters another poem, an aftering poem. What it means basically is something that we hold very valuable in underground writing uh, is an engagement with literature for the students. So we'll bring in literature, two or three pieces per workshop, and the students will interact with that piece of literature and often we'll write a poem directly in response to the piece of literature we brought in. So um, common attribution that you can see in all of poetry that does this is when a poet uh, under the title, let's say, says something like after, mm-hmm. after Pablo Neruda, for example, meaning somehow the poem is interacting with uh, a piece from Neruda or themes that Neruda is known for. So this student's poem is after a Paul Valéry poem. Uh, and again, my French is not up to par, so I'm just I'm doing the Americanized version of his last name. He has a poem called "The Angel Handed Me a Book," and I'm going to read the I'm going to read the poem and then talk a little again about the aftering, and then talk about a few other things. The angel handed me a book. Placing a book in my hands, the angel said, "It holds all you would wish to know," and he vanished. So I opened the book, which wasn't thick. It was written in an unknown alphabet. Scholars translated it, but produced very different versions. They disagreed even about their own readings, agreeing neither upon the tops or bottoms of them, nor the beginnings, nor the ends. Toward the close of this vision, it seemed to me that the book melted until it could no longer be told apart from the world that surrounds us. And so we we brought that into to our workshops. We've done it at multiple sites. Have the students interact with the poem. What do you think? What's going on? And then this student wrote, the book was fat and big. And again, we're telling the students to interact however they want. And this student, just in that first line, the book was fat and big, is already kind of riffing on this poem, not using it exactly like it was, because Paul Valeray says, uh, so I opened the book, which wasn't thick. Already the, the students changed it, which I love, because you're interacting with the tradition you're becoming part of the conversation, and you're also adding your own piece. 
So that's that's the concept of what I would call aftering. It's something we do a lot in underground writing, and it's something that gets the students into what I would call the great river, the great flow of the river of literature, the whole tradition. And uh, by jumping right in and participating, whether famous or not, they become part of it, which is something we try to impress upon our students, uh, which I find exciting, and I think our students haven't thought about that before, and, and they find it exciting. Also, I want to talk about the dream visions because I think the poem is kind of like this dream vision and it brought to mind a couple poems um, and pieces of literature immediately as I was thinking about them this week. Brought to mind Kubla Khan by uh, Coleridge um, and it also brought to mind the book of Revelation. And why it brought those two to mind was because both those involve books and or scrolls. Um, Kubla Khan, which was written by Coleridge, uh, an imagined paradise of Xanadu in the Mongol um, era empire. The poem starts, In Xanadu did Kubla Khan a stately pleasure dome decree, where Alf the sacred river ran through caverns measureless to man. Now he, the poem, Kubla Khan, actually starts with this book that he was reading with Robert Southey and William Wordsworth. Uh, they were reading it together in England at this time. Uh, and the book is called Purchase's Pilgrimage. It was a large book of mythological travels. And so there's the, the story behind the poem is that he was traveling, walking, uh, carrying this book, uh, reading it as he walked, as he often did in the, um, in the English countryside. And he becomes ill and he takes some opium, which back then was sort of a normal medicine to be taking, not, not like a, a drug of crisis uh, like we're seeing in our current context. And he falls asleep. And he has this dream. When he wakes, he writes down the dream. And the dream was Kubla Khan. It originates in this book, Purchases Pilgrimage. In the book of Revelation, which is written by uh, John the Apostle, uh, deals with an apocalyptic end to the world. That book starts with, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And then down in verse 11, it says, Which said, or the, the angel saying, Write on a scroll what you see. So not only do we have books involved and angels involved, this dream vision involved. These were called to mind as I was thinking about this Paul Valerie poem and a kind of this simple riff, which is not so simple, that this student is, is uh, doing. And I think dream visions often come out of an author or a poet thinking about the future, but it's more an assessment of the present. So I think these poets, these writers of these works, Kubla Khan or the Book of Revelation, they're, they're living in these uncertain times. There's unknown elements. There's a feeling of being unsettled. And the vision, which often is about the future or some kind of thing that's coming down the line, comes out of this unsettlement in the present where the poet is doing some assessment about their life. And I think we see that in this student's poem. Because not only, you know, is the student, this is my take on it, seemingly imagining this book in his hands, uh, but he says the book was fat and big. It was all my life in it. And I had my life in my hands. It's a beautiful turn of the image there to talk about his life. It was my only time to change it. Can you read it again? Yeah. The book was fat and big. The book was fat and big. It was all my life in it. I had my life in my hands. It was my only time to change it. I closed my eyes for a moment to think what I wanted to do. I opened my eyes 
back up, and the book was on fire. I saw the black smoke in the sky, and the book was gone. Did you leave the workshop where you looked at this Paul Valerie poem? Yeah, I think I think it came out of workshop I was leaving. I, I know that I originally brought the poem into um, our sites as a poem to use because it comes out of a, an anthology that I really like. And I'll just give a shout out to the, the anthology, the Echo Anthology of International Poetry. It's edited by Susan Harris and Ilya Kaminsky, who I mentioned on the last podcast as uh, being at a conference along with one of our teaching writers, Suzanne. Um, but he does a great... A lot of good editing on, on projects, especially international type stuff. I found the, the poem in that book and brought it in. The poem by Valerie is very kind of mystical and dreamlike, like we've been talking about, but also very easy to engage with mm -hmm. for the students for some reason. Especially like the idea that an angel comes down and hands you a book. It's mm -hmm. fascinating to me and, and to the students. And so a lot of this discussion of what that means and... and um, it lends itself to good conversation and, and kind of immediate immediate uh, writing. It's a fine poem, like most fine poems. It's it's bigger than than the words on the page. Yeah, and I think back to, I mean, we've talked kind of from a literary angle today mainly, but like when you look at the personal angle, mm -hmm. you know, the, the closing three lines of this student's poem, I opened my eyes back up and the book was on fire. I saw the black smoke in the sky and the book was gone. Very haunting mm -hmm. conclusion to that. One can only, you can make some, you can draw some conclusions from that, which are known and unknown, and you're kind of making some guesses, but also like it's haunting because it's, uh, one can only imagine what the student's actually thinking as she or he is writing that, mm -hmm. those words. Like, do they feel like the, the chance to change the life, like back up in line two, it was my only time to change it. Is that over for them in their perception? Which definitely would uh, undercut progress uh, to the future. And soon enough we will have to part Your journey done mine at the start What's going on in the world of underground writing? I want to mention today our forthcoming site, which will be our fifth workshop site, and it will be at the Skagit County Community Justice Center. The Skagit County Community Justice Center is the new jail in our county, and part of its name, uh, kind of a unique name, which mm -hmm. was, was not without uh, argument and discussion here in the county, is kind of a hint at the direction that the jail is trying to take. So our old jail was seriously overcrowded. Uh, arguably quite unsafe, and there was very little room for programming, mm -hmm. which can be a very restorative practice for people on the inside. So the county approved of a measure to build a new jail. It's bigger, but it's also safer and very well built. There was a ribbon cutting ceremony on July 11th, 2017, and then the inmates moved in there in October 2017. So it hasn't even been a year yet. And no matter what one thinks of our current um, system of incarceration here in America, what the new jail here in the county allows is for more programming. Um, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. It allows for more programming and allows for uh, better safety uh, of the inmates. And so one of the benefits of programming for us, um, speaking from our angle, is that uh, we've been approved for a while to go in there and do our underground writing workshops. 
So yesterday I had a phone conversation for about a half hour with um, uh, the sergeant in in charge of uh, programming there. It was just a great conversation, kind of clarifying what we do, what we need, how it would look, time allotments, uh, how the classes would be set up, and kind of what our overall trajectory is and hope for the program is so that the sergeant can then um, consult with his higher-ups and uh, talk about a timeline for us. So it's very encouraging, and I just want to mention that to the listeners and also because I'm excited that it's getting a little further traction. Uh, we've been in touch with them off and on throughout uh, the last two years about this opportunity, but we're getting a little more traction. So this will be your second site with adults? That's correct. Second site with adults. Our other site is the Skagit Valley Recovery Community for adults in recovery um, from all kind of various sectors. And once the site in the, the Community Justice Center starts, the um, demographic of our program will shift to being, instead of mainly youth-focused, it'll be about equal. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exciting for me. I love youth, but I also love adults, and we want to we wanna impact the community, and the community is made up of both, both mm-hmm. of those demographics. And it'll, be our, it'll be also be our second site working with incarcerated students, mm-hmm. which is really exciting because I think it's a, it's a need that uh, the folks inside have. They need things to do, and they need good things to do, and things that also carry over when they get on the outs. You know, we, we don't always know this, but of course we always hope that students, when they are released, will continue writing mm-hmm. in one shape, form, or another, you know, in any genre they choose, but we just hope that what they start in our workshops will continue on the outs. We'll meet again A trumpet sound When the trumpets Today's featured writing is from What No One Ever Tells You, Underground Writing's first anthology of student writing. The book is scheduled for release in fall 2018. We'll have another episode for you in a couple of weeks. Let us know what you thought of this program. Email us at info at undergroundwriting.org. Connect with us via our website, undergroundwriting.org and spread the word about our work by mentioning us on social media. The Underground Writing Podcast is recorded and produced by Alvin Shim and Underground Writing. You can access it via iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast outlets, as well as on our website, where we include links of interest connected to items mentioned in each episode. Today's featured music is by Peter Legrand, a song entitled When the Trumpet Sounds, from the album I Still Believe. Our current theme music for this podcast is provided by Luis Lopez, and the Migrant Leaders Club in the Mount Vernon School District. I'm Alvin Jim. And I'm Matt Malian. Thanks for listening.